Welcome to episode 508 of Troubadours and Rock On Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we feature a wonderful conversation with regular contributor, British Indo-American poet and visual artist, from her place in Sacramento, California, Roni Bopla. Roni and I talk about mortality, grief and poetry, losing fathers, transforming into an elder, being your own mother and father. She shares a new poem that I think you'll love. We also talk about the page as a womb, your imagination taking care of you, reconnecting, collaboration, among other things. A wonderful conversation with Roni Bopla this go-round. We also have an EWSA titled Elder. We share some compelling facts and figures coming from the February 2023 issue of Harper's Magazine, and we have a poem called Warm Sound. All of this, of course, will be infused, imbued with the wonderful energy of several great tunes. It is so nice to be with you. Let's get to it then. Episode 508 of Troubadours and Rock On Tours. Then again, then again, then again, whoa. 
Elder, I am the nicest person in this house. That is clear as day. Why is everyone laughing? I make the strong black coffee in the morning. I pour the orange juice into the medley of witty, scripted coffee mugs on the kitchen table, each positioned and poised by me at your seats, waiting to tussle with the sleepy eyes and morning breath. You walk through the hallway toward another effort at waking and going out into the streets. Our garbage cans are at the curb. I dragged them there last night for dumping today. Who tells you how to walk, how to talk, how to behave? Wandering and wandering am I, always looking up to touch the sky. Peace of mind and control. I am thinking those two might be mutually exclusive. Hampered empty dreams, perched on a shelf next to a bowl of dried, petrified fave beans. With all the nuances, layers, and dimensions not readily enough seen. Between these days of shallow, misunderstood discontent, I am the nicest person here. You know, it's me who pays the rent. I love you even when you don't understand, so you can be carefree, circumspect, and bigger than this clan.
don't look real to me Oh, don't they look Is that you? Absolutely, it is me, as far as I know. <laughs> is oh, this E.W. Conundrum Demore? It, it is. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on Troubadours and Rock On Tours once again. Thank you. It's a pleasure. I always get excited when I hear from you, so thank you for the invitation. Right back at you. I'm glad that you are willing and, uh, you know, interested in being on our program and uh, we have some interesting and compelling sort of deep topics to get into today but before we do I'd mm -hmm. like to share with the folks a little bit about you. Uh, Roni is a British Indo-American poet and visual artist. She recently earned her Master's in Fine Arts from uh, Pacific University in California. And uh, she's working on some new poetry. We're talking with her as she sits, I believe, in your place somewhere out there in Sacramento, California, right? That is correct. Thank you. Yeah, I, I'm out here on the East Coast where we're looking at snowfall. So after I get done talking with you, I'm going to go out and shovel. You know, this is deja vu because the last time I was on your show, 
I think he said almost the exact same thing. <laughs> really? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Wow. That, I don't remember. That's great. <laughs> uh, well, it's good to have that continuity. That's, I love it. <laughs> certainly is. It certainly is. And as I mentioned, you wanted to talk about some some pretty heavy issues, and uh, I'm happy you do. Uh, you you wanted to get into mortality and grief, and and how you use your poetry to, I guess, handle or delve into those uh, very human um, experiences. And, and both of us share mm -hmm. uh, an experience that's part of life. Mm -hmm. uh, both of us recently have lost our fathers, and I'm sorry yes. for your loss. I'm sorry for your loss, too. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, I don't know, where, where, how do you want to start? Well, I like that you said that grief is a very human experience, um, and grief oftentimes is related to a human loss, but there's also grief that we experience when we lose anything, um, and I think that parents they mean so much to us whether we have a really strong bond with them or not there's always the hope that they will always be there for us in some manner and perhaps in our fantasies even my father was um, in my life for the first nine years and then after that when my parents separated I very rarely saw him I went back to see him when I was an adult so my relationship was probably more in my mind than in reality. And unfortunately, I didn't have much of a positive experience with him in reality. But even now, after losing him, it's it's been about... It, he, he passed in June. It hasn't been that long. And even now, I can still sort of understand that a human being is more than my perspective because he meant something to someone else in a grander way and so perhaps my grief is more so that i didn't have that opportunity to see that in him um and perhaps that's the way i recreate him in my poems not necessarily fictioning him but more so writing about my own desire as a daughter, my own desire for the relationship that I wish I had. Um, and perhaps that might be very close to what it, it truly was in his mind. So that's that's kind of what I was thinking about, um, about my father. And uh, I think everyone, of course, has their own experience with their dads. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And, and when you said you at one point went back to visit with him are you, where was he over in england yes yes he was um and if if your listeners don't recall the last episode i did i think i explained that my parents were pre-partition and then they married when they after they had migrated to england and then my parents separated and my mother brought me and my brother to the united states at a very younger age, and he stayed back in England. And so I think it was the age of 19 is when I went back to see him. And it was a big shock because 
you know, I had become a young adult and he wasn't ready for that. So, and then after that, I visited. The last time I saw him was in 2017. And, and when you say pre-partition, you're talking about uh, India and Pakistan? Yes, yes. Right. Um, what, what, what was your dad's name? Harmesh Chandar. Beautiful, beautiful. And Thank you. When I hear you talk about your dad and, and uh, you're reflecting on your relationship, I, I, I hear, you know, unresolved issues, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I can relate to that for sure. And I think many people who are listening can relate to that, you know, and, and uh, I love the way you describe how a, a lot of the way we think of our, our, our parents, uh, most people probably, uh, is not necessarily the whole thing, the whole truth about who they are. We project and fantasize and mythologize, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and for me, that's been hard, you know. Uh, it, my father died in December. Um, mm, so soon. Yeah, and um, so many things we hadn't talked about that we should have, in my view, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and you got a, a person has to then carry on, of course, with those unresolved issues and resolve them on your own, I suppose, right? Without the other person involved in, mm-hmm. in reality, but maybe in your mind still, in your soul still, in your DNA still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's it's very difficult, and I, I think both of us have our own ways of coping with death and coping with knowing that someone was with us and now they're just gone. I, I will, I, I look at each day as it is. Um, and if I wake up thinking about the loss, it can, it has a, it grips me and I cannot allow myself to, suffer like that um on the other hand i think that grief is a full body experience and it does need to go through your entire body and mind it has its own time um so there's a balance there and somehow as you say we we carry on and we do but I don't think that we're the same person as we were when our parent was alive. I think that we transform into a different person knowing that one of our ancestors has gone. And that is a huge, um, almost an epiphany, definitely transforming. So that's, it's, it's a very philosophical space to be in when we lose our parent. When you say transforming, that compels me uh, because, mm-hmm. I, I, again, I think I understand to a certain extent what you're talking about. That transformation, is it, is it in a way almost a weight off? Is it a, is it a freedom? Or, or is, it, is it a positive? Or is it not to be defined in any of these ways? Hmm. Well, it, it of course can be defined those ways. We have the freedom of language to say what we are trying to say. Um, transformation for me um, is that 
you know, both of my parents are gone, so I have to be my own mother. I have to be my own father. And so whatever looming parenting that was taking what was that nurturing that was there whether I'm an I was an I'm adult but I still knew that my parents were around and so I felt nurtured but now they're gone and so I myself feel that I I am now transformed into an elder and it's almost as if I see my parents everywhere because when I interact with people who are about their age, I see fragments of my father and fragments of my mother, and they are coalescing. They're not, I know realistically they're not there, but for myself, that's my imagination taking care of me. And when I am truly alone and when I feel lonely because of that loss, I look to my own transformation and think about how I can parent myself. And the other complicated thing with my situation is I've never had a child of my own. So there's not much of a transference of knowledge that has come from my parents that I could transfer to another child. So I sometimes feel like I'm a little dust flake in the atmosphere not attached to anything so and and that that i think is you know an individual sensibility and one of the ways that i think about my transformation is through the arts because the art speaks back to me in some way and it's telling me something about my interiority you're talking poetry and, and I'm sure painting and uh, uh, maybe dance, theater, all of it, I suppose. All of it. All of it. Yes. Yeah. The, the arts. Without the arts, I don't know where I would be mm. <laughs> personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is sustenance. It is soulless. Um, and it is a commonality, I found, uh, that connects our species Um mm. For sure, right? And what you're sharing is, honestly, it's so um, it's so prescient, given my experience, where I'm at, where I am at in this moment, and mm-hmm. I appreciate it. This is almost uh, this is almost like a therapy session for me. So thank you, Roni. Um, now I want to ask you a question, mm-hmm. given the fact that you know I'm I'm a male, you're a female. Mm-hmm. And you talk about children. You talk mm-hmm. about not having any. Um, do you want to speak to or try to? Uh, maybe I'm wrong, totally, mm-hmm. in even thinking about this. And you'll tell me, I'm sure, if I am. The the unique sort of maybe I don't know if it's a preoccupation or, or sense that a woman has in mm-hmm. terms of defining themselves in with regard to children, having children, being a mother, is that something that does indeed exist for you and do you think for women in general as you are transforming and, and you know, day to day, year to year as, a, as an individual? You know, I, <clears throat> I think that the, for myself, 
there was a period when I, when I, excuse me, and my throat is changing, uh, my voice is changing because add another layer, I'm going through menopause. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's fun, I'm sure. <laughs> so, so all of this conversation is all wrapped up into one little. <laughs> so if your audience detects my voice is starting to get deeper, that that's, that's me fighting that, that deepening of my voice um, <laughs> uh, so I think that um, you know related to that is I I have written recently about my desire for wanting to have children but it it that intensity was in my 30s I'm over 50 now and so I have enough distance to understand that that was a very intense time for myself I put the pressure on myself in terms of, uh, you know, wanting children and having the right partner and so forth. And of course, that's all wrapped up in social expectations. But I think there is a biological component to that. What I've done is I've actively engaged in that topic recently and written some poetry about that. And I had a conversation with another poet and I describe the page as a womb. So it gives me a certain freedom to say what I'm creating, it's, it lands on the page, and that's my creation. And so one can say that that's sort of a coping mechanism, and that's, that's probably true. However, I think that we're all wanting to make something because I can see when I see someone make a piece of art, the joy that they feel is, is unavoidable. It's immediate and it's an impulse. And so I imagine giving birth is thousands of times that elation. So, so those are my general thoughts about that. I don't have those desires anymore, but I can see that transfer when I create something that, I feel so beautiful. I feel like a beautiful person for having created something like a, a, a picture or a poem and that I can share with the world. The other side of that is that I, my father, he suffered from a mental illness and I have some of those issues too. So I, to a certain degree, decided that I wasn't going to have children that was an active decision. I see. Mm. Thank you for sharing all that. Thank you. And, you know, you give me a beautiful segue to uh, to ask you to offer up a poem. I know you uh, you have one there. Maybe you want to set it up and, and then read it, or you just want to read it and talk, whatever you choose. Thank you. I, I It's interesting we... we 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 talk we're talking about birth and this is a brand new poem i just re wrote it last week and i haven't sent it out for publication <clears throat> excuse me and one of the things that i do frequently is i will look at visual art and then i will create a poem around that art piece it's in response to the photograph by Aida Moulouné, who is an Ethiopian-born artist who lives in the United States. She works with a lot of surrealist images, and her 
I'll spell her name. It's A-I-D-A-M-U-L-U-N-E-H. And the title of her photograph is Who Knows Tomorrow? Who Knows Tomorrow? After the photograph by Ida Mulune. Goodbye, last blood, last red flood. I abhorred you, but you never cared. Like the scar on my mother's belly, you now serve as a lifelong remembrance of a mysterious breakage. I stride. I am glamour. I take my last look back, a forward of lush, an ecstasy, a delirium of wanting. Will celibacy become easier? What is gone will be missed, but not now. The body rages in blood, red in parts. What were you? Red clots, smell of liquid iron, soaked skirts, mix of sweat and perfume. Cartography made of a red flare. Women know you are not to be hurried or stopped. What were you before birth? We have five million eggs. When I was delivered, 42 years worth were left. 500 for ancestors. Add 10 this glorious final year. Onward you go, goddess of mystery, enormous flowing and letting upon earth. I am sending you away as though I can on wide gulhars floating on a serene Ganga, away carrying my past measured by unbreached eggs, saved, drifting on a sea of vapors. Wow. Wow, that's beautiful. Thank you. And, and the title again? Who Knows Tomorrow? World premiere here on Troubadours and Rock On Tours. <laughs> exactly. I'm proud to say. <laughs> and and I, I must add that... I'm not the first to write a poem or an ode to one's menstruation um, or menopause in this case. It, I, I was highly influenced by a poem by Lucille Clifton. She had written a similar poem, but it was much shorter and it had um, some delightful turns and so forth. So it, it's not modeled exactly by, based on her structure, but it, the idea came from her and and it it speaks to the legacy of writers and artists that we must have. Yes, you're right. I I, I love that uh, that perspective about writers and poets. There is a legacy. There, you know, it's it's like almost songs in in this country. You know, the American mm -hmm. Songbook or mm -hmm. or traditional American songs. They the artists that are in those those worlds of art they highly regard and feel um compelled to keep those 
compositions passed on with their own interpretation and giving respect to the earlier artists that uh, did their renditions. Mm -hmm. uh, and I love that. You know, again, it's art helping nurture and strengthen the fabric of humanity and society. Mm -hmm. I think I see the patterns in your shows where some songs are repeated and some motifs. Definitely. Correct me if I'm wrong. Oh, yeah. I'm honored yeah, that you listen that much to notice. Yes, you're right. What do you make of it? I think it's beautiful because, number one, it shows, again, who those artists are that you consider part of your own legacy. And secondly... It shares with me sort of the the aesthetic that you value in music or poetry or essay. And you have curated this beautiful show which reveals to the world something that you've created, something that you know, you're you're making an ensemble, you're collaborating with people, and those are just just things that, that should be emulated in all of arts. I some, I mean, I don't want to be critical, but I will be a little bit because I think that the um, the artist that that is working in solitude on a little boat out in nowhere is is a thing of the past. I think collaboration and the beauty of of learning from one another and the past is almost an essential part of creating art. Well said. Well said. And, you know, you met, you mentioned songs that are recurring and themes mm. that are recurring. Let's not forget the people that I have on as regular contributors, such as yourself. To me, that's a big part of this show uh, for mm. listeners. You know, oh, it's Roni again. I've heard her several times. I love when she's on. And, mm. uh, you know, or Surf William or and the list goes on. And then I have the special guests that are new. They're there one time, and, and we get a nice taste of who they are, what they're doing. So, yeah, I thank you for getting it. And that's, it means a lot to me, and thank you for being part of this program. That means it's, it's a joy for me to talk with you. It's a pleasure for me. I always look, I look forward to our conversations. And I've told you many times, but I love you. <laughs> I love you, too. I love you, too. That means a lot to me. Um, so we're getting to the point where we have to say goodbye until next time, but not until we make sure we, you know, uh, we touch on whatever you you want to to leave uh, the listeners with uh, bef before you go. Well, I, I I have taken on a new position here in Sacramento. I am um, I have a. A contract for two years to be the chair of women's wisdom art and our mission is to focus on wellness through art so it makes complete sense for me to say to everyone out there that whatever decisions we make whether they're artistic or not that we move boldly towards our own wellness and to create those sanctuaries and places where we will always be welcome and we will always thrive. And so wellness and reconnecting this year, reconnecting with ourselves as well as those people around us. Reconnecting. Yeah. Mm. I, and, and in a new way or in the, in the same way? 
Well, I will um, take from some examples that I've just recently experienced. Uh, Women's Wisdom Art is a nonprofit out here, and I'm seeing people who had attended previously, but they are changed people. They have been changed by the experience of the pandemic in multiple ways. So I think that if we reconnect understanding that we're not the same, but we still have those loose connections between us and those need to be continually nurtured. That if we have that sense that each year provides a fresh outlook and we can rely on the past knowing that we have those memories, but at the same time, we're moving forward always. Hmm. Again, well said. I have to say, Roni, I'm starting to look at you as as uh, a sister, if that's oh, okay. Oh, yes, yes. I am your sister. You are my brother. I'd love that. I'd love that. Let's yeah. let's let's keep fostering this relationship. I, I look forward to talking with you again in the not-too-distant future. And perhaps one day, even though we're on opposite ends of, of the continent, we could actually get together and spend some quality time. That I would welcome wholeheartedly. Thank you. Me as well. If you're ever coming out this way, you let me know. I will. You know, maybe your new book is going to demand that you do readings in New York City and Philadelphia and the like. <laughs> yeah, that, that's on my plate. I will definitely make that as a goal. Thank I'll, you. I'll drive you around. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Well, take care, Roni, and thank you for sharing so much. Thank you. Bye. I adore you. Bye. <laughs> you're you're making my day. You're making my day. <laughs> bye bye now. Bye.
And now, some actual facts and figures from the February 2023 issue of Harper's Magazine in a segment they call Harper's Index. Actual facts and figures. Percentage of U.S. teens who have advocated for political issues on social media in the past year. 10. Who have used a hashtag related to a political or social issue. 7. Percentage of Americans who believe that political demonstration is, quote, very important. 13. Percentage by which independents are less likely than other voters to know their representatives' party affiliation. 24% less likely. To know which party controls Congress. 20% less likely. Percentage of eligible Americans who vote, 63%. Of Hungarians, 71%. Of Uruguayans, 95%. Percentage by which fewer people watched the U.S. midterm election results on television last year than in 2018, 30% fewer. Percentage by which threats against members of Congress increased between 2017 and 2021, 144 percentage increase. Percentage of Americans who say political advertisements have, quote, a great deal of influence on how they vote, 8%. Average number of words a man says on cable news before he is interrupted, 81. Of words a woman says, 73. Portion of Americans who believe the media prioritizes profits over the public interest, three quarters, who say they would be willing to pay for their news, one-fifth or 20%. Chances that a U.S. college graduate with a journalism degree regrets this choice of major, nine in ten. Percentage by which Republicans are more likely to feel unfavorably toward the media than the tobacco industry, 20%. Percentage by which women are more likely than men to rely on TikTok as a news source, 59%. By which men are more likely than women to rely on Reddit as a news source, 231%. Portion of Americans who watch shows or movies with subtitles on, quote, most of the time, one-half of Gen Zers who do, seven-tenths. Percentage by which young adults are more likely to smoke cigarettes than adults aged 65 or older, 50%. By which young adults are more likely to smoke only marijuana than to smoke only cigarettes, 270%. Number of hours per week the average American spent with friends in 2021 three hours. Percentage by which this number has decreased since 2013, 58%. Percentage change in the past decade in the amount of time the average American spends alone, plus 23%. How do you like them apples?
I left the keys in the driver's side door. And there's nobody home, but I heard a fork dropped in the sink. But this place is totally, completely empty. So I just need to act like the person I want to be. Because your thinking creates your reality. I used to feel everything intensely. And I still do sometimes. But honestly, it's only when the mood strikes me. It's strange to move on and still miss things. Like the view of the moon from my room. And the sight of you walking away up the avenue. And everything I thought was important, but isn't anymore after the year I went through. Sound. Fall, flag on the pole, jutting out from the front of this Tudor house. It has been winter for over a month. We need to get the ladder out of the garage and recognize the seasonal change. 
Our wind chimes resonate year-round. I love their warm humming sound.
And there you have it. Episode 508 of Troubadours and Rock on Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, our good friend, Roni Bopla. I also would like to thank Harper's Magazine and these musical artists. The Lonious Monk, Dion, The Rolling Stones, Liz Cooper, Fortet, Wild Pink, Bill Callahan, Brantford Marsalis, and Terrence Blanchard too. And of course, I would like to thank you for listening. Until next time, let's give it a go and do our best with this time. Take care of yourself.